IndyCar's first race of the season will happen right here in Texas. The Genesis 300 is scheduled now for Saturday, the 6th of June. He says the Speedway, IndyCar, and state health leaders are going to make sure all this racing happens without any risk of spreading the coronavirus. And now for Dinner with Racers, presented by Continental Tire. With your hosts, Ryan Eversley and Sean Heckman. Placeholder Radio. Welcome to yet another edition of Dinner with Racers. I am Sean Heckman, totally sitting six feet and one inches away from me and not in another part of the country is Ryan Eversley. Hi. This is our final episode uh, in our big old June trip. So we took a six week trip across the country because we had a very narrow window of time in June to see as much as we could before uh, things changed again and Ryan had to go racing and whatnot. So you can learn all about this trip if you uh, check out Dinner with Racers on Amazon Prime. We have a whole episode called June 2020 that is all about this road trip that we took to learn specifically about what racetracks are going through. This podcast and the three podcasts before it are more of the in-depth interviews and a lot of the stuff that we couldn't put into a one-hour episode just to give you a little bit more of a in-depth understanding of what different racetracks and whatnot we're going through. So this final episode is going to be all about what we would refer to as corporate-owned racetracks. In other words, racetracks that have a larger company behind them, larger resources, assets, holding groups, you name it. Tracks where the specific ownership doesn't necessarily live right next to the track and live day to day, but they still have their own challenges and their own kind of objectives that they have to hit. So with that said, Ryan, this final episode what got us there? Oh, we made it there in my brand new 2020 special edition Acura MDX. And uh, I remember getting there with zero issues, thanks to both the tire, but also the oil. That's right. New to Dinner with Racers, as you've possibly seen on our social media, is we are now partnered up with the good folks at Valvoline, which is the original motor oil. And of course... We could absolutely not have gotten there if it wasn't, say, I don't know, the primary sponsor, the people that really have been there since day one for us. Do you know who I'm talking about? I think you're talking about Cont- Continental Tire? Yes, but that is not what they pay for. They pay for the Continental Tire. I'm a shill. Cross contact LX. Something? Something. All right. So... The first person we're going to listen to is the president of Texas Motor Speedway. If you're a fan of our show, you've actually heard a full-length podcast with him in the past. Back in 2016, we met up with the same gentleman, and uh, you heard us rambling like idiots because we've been up all night before we talked to him. Eddie Gossage and Texas Motor Speedway are part of what is known as Speedway Motorsports, which is the parent company. Speedway Motorsports, the company originally started by Bruton Smith. Uh, It is a conglomerate company that owns a whole bunch of racetracks uh, all across the country. Bristol, Charlotte, Sonoma, you name it. And then Speedway itself also has a financial company that owns it. So it's a whole thing. There's a whole tier of different ownerships. And if you keep watching our show, you might see some more stuff with Eddie Gossage and us later on in 2020. Texas Motor Speedway is obviously very famous in the NASCAR world, but they've also hosted a bunch of IndyCar races as well as sports car races. But it's a huge facility, whether it's operating races or not. So a lot of bills that have to be paid, they actually ran the IndyCar race this year, and as Eddie tells us, seemed to come at a total loss. So interesting times for them. We both had In-N-Out Burger, but Sean, did you have an In-N-Out 
you didn't have a burger. You had a. Uh, I had a chicken sandwich that from the In-N-Out, from the In and Out burger. made. Yeah, In and Out, In and Out. Right. Another one. They're big fans of our podcast and show. Yeah, In and Out. Uh, and so they made us a uh, one-time edition In and Out chicken sandwich. That's right. Big shout out to our buddy David Hart, who has always helped us with Dinner with Racers and uh, works that Texas Motor Speedway right now and was able to help us facilitate this sit down with Eddie. But uh, please enjoy one of the biggest personalities you'll ever meet in racing. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. So I'm a little confused. Uh, so you're in Fort Worth, the city. But apparently this is in Denton County, right. this racetrack, whereas Correct. Fort Worth is not normally Denton County. Well, city limits can cross county lines. Sure. So we're, we're just north of the uh, Denton-Tarrant County line. So we're in, we're in Denton County, yeah. But most people in Fort Worth would consider themselves in Tarrant County. Mm-hmm. Right. So yep. in the grand scheme of things, so for example, what everybody's going through right now, is there a difference in approaches? Yes. Well, it, some. You know, I mean, every county is different. And in the state of Texas, the uh, the county judge which is in most places called a county executive uh, but the county judge uh, his directives overrule everybody else except the governor okay so you know um, the mayor may say this or that uh, you know wear a mask or or whatever you're you can't leave your home whatever it may be but the county judge says you don't have to wear a mask you can leave your home that's it that's what that's doing. it yeah. yeah so okay so if Terrence yeah. so Literally, as we were getting uh, getting out of our hotel this morning, Tarrant County just issued a mask statement that mm-hmm. starting tomorrow, I believe at six, everyone in Tarrant County has to wear a mask. That does not apply to the Speedway. Correct. Yeah. So okay. uh, only only if they make that uh, decision in in Denton County, and they may, you know. So, um, but yeah, that's how it works in Texas. Interesting. So yeah. so we've been going around the country looking at different tracks. Um, so in Ohio, for example, the way that Ohio's constitutional government is structured. They give a lot of authority to their counties, mm-hmm. um, and this isn't a political show, uh, but in the grand scheme of a place like Ohio where counties have a lot of control versus maybe a place like California where it's maybe a little bit more state-controlled, where would you say Texas kind of lies in that in that grand scheme? Uh, really the state. Uh, you know, they make the majority of the calls on these kinds of things, but, but, you know, the county judge is the highest authority except for the governor. So uh, there, there's actually uh, some issues between uh, the governor and the, and the Dallas County judge, and um, they've kind of had a little um, battle back and forth of words and that kind of thing, which isn't good. But, um, you know, um, some, some take this as an opportunity to flex their muscle, you know. In terms and, of county. And, well, uh, you know, right. take it how you want, uh, <laughs> you know. And, and so, uh, but that's that's elected officials period and so uh some rush to uh, uh the tv cameras when a crisis occurs you know they, they said in the, the obama administration never let a, a crisis uh go to waste you know <laughs> jump on it so uh, this is not a political you know. show not a political show oh what I mean, right, uh, uh, that may be a great uh, pr move i'm not saying it isn't i'm just right. saying that's yeah. that's Mm-hmm. That's a line about the Obama administration, and you know. I feel like you um, would recognize PR stunts if you saw him. Yeah, you know a thing or two. That's why I said that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Coming from California, the COVID crisis started to show up on our radar. I, I mean, as early as January, that this could be a thing coming. 
here at, in Fort Worth, Texas, when would you say it started coming to your attention? Well, you know, I'd heard about it, I guess, in late January, early February, mm-hmm. and didn't quite know what that meant for us and, and what was to come, and, and immediately started hearing all kinds of political, you know, it's this, it's that, it, yeah. it, this is its true origin, no, what it really happened is such and such, and, you know, you don't know what to believe, and, um, and, and it just grew and grew and grew by the day, by the week, and uh, I remember thinking... Um, I was a little envious of Atlanta because I was like, they're going to get their cup race in before <laughs> anybody puts their foot down, you right, know. Right. And so and even then, you're looking at the schedule going, we may not have a yeah, thing. Yeah, I was there. I was concerned, yeah. and uh, and so we got to you know what March 10th, 12th, something like that. I don't remember the specific date. Right. And um, all of a sudden, everything came to a screeching halt, and it was you get up in the morning and it'd be like, well, you know. Today is going to be better than yesterday because yesterday this, 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 right. and this happened. Right. And then by the time you came home from work, it, this, 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 and this, and this happened, you know. And it mm-hmm. just every day was just more bizarre than the next. Yes. And, and so, you know, I don't think anybody alive has ever been through a, a pandemic and, and had the effect, the impact that it's had on, on our world. And, and you don't know what's right and what's wrong. And you want to err on the side of caution. But... There's a certain disbelief of uh, our elected officials that's earned. There's a uh, certainly a disbelief of the media that's earned. Yeah, right. And so you don't know what to believe. So it's it's a tough time in that regard to me. Yeah. So obviously Texas Motor Speedway is part of a bigger group of SMI. And is there anything like in a budget for this kind of thing that would affect all the uh, facilities that you guys control? No. There, there's there's I don't think anybody is planning or in anticipation of, of something like this happening. Uh, this only happens in movies, but, you know. And, <laughs> right. And so, no. Uh, but everything just came to an immediate stop, you know. And, and to me, that also meant spending. And, and uh, as one charged with managing this business, you know, uh, um, I still have to approve purchase orders and supposed to sign checks and mm-hmm. things like that. Everyone that goes out the door, I'm, I sign here. But during this, uh, our, our VP of Finance has been sending them to me via email, and I have to prove them individually. Right. And so I keep asking, okay, we're not doing anything. How could we just send out a batch of checks for $125,000? You know, we're, yeah. we're closed. Yeah. And uh, sadly, though, the, you know, the power bill still keeps coming, and, and the insurance still keeps coming, and, and you know, so, so on and so forth. So right. it's... Um, so you're, you're trying to find every way you can to cut expense uh, while at the same time, you know, kind of semi-prepping. And eventually, you know, we ran the IndyCar race in early June and, and going to run a cup race July 19th. And how do you do those with, with by saving as much money as you can, but do it still do it right? And so it's a tough balance. But, no, there's no way to have planned for it uh, in your annual budgeting. Mm-mm. This is probably the biggest facility we've been to so far. Yes. Um, what are some of the overhead expenses you have here with or without income? <laughs> well, you, you have the power bill. Yeah. And uh, the truth is the piece of property is so large it's served by two or three different power companies. <laughs> uh, sure. You know, yeah. So it costs. And uh, uh, I mean, and I assume even if the track isn't doing anything, there is still a constant yeah. stream of, of Well, and there's also a... a, a you, you know, we're, we're not unlike you are at home. Uh, around here, you can uh, pay the same for 12 months every month, uh, things like that. And it's not quite that way. But still, you, you, you have to pay some money every month. Uh, insurance on your staff, mm-hmm. uh, taxes on your staff, 
um, that you have on the payroll, um, just um, the expense that you have for different uh, hard items here. That um, that there's there's it's it's this place eats money every single day, whether you're using it or not, whether you've got it turned on, quote unquote, or, or not. And so, how do you how do you throttle it down as best you can? Yeah. And we're doing that, but you know. Um, we, we were open. We did 35 graduation ceremonies, so we did have some expense there mm-hmm. uh, for those kinds of things. But, it, you know, it, it all adds up. Nothing here is, is small, and nothing here is cheap. Everything, right. <laughs> everything is expensive to do. So it just, it just eats money. How many salaried employees do you have full-time here? Hmm. I don't know, 60-ish, something of that nature. Yeah. So we're paying them right now and paying their insurance and paying – all the taxes and et cetera, et cetera, that you got to pay. And, uh, you know, what's strange is, is is all these businesses, including us, you know, just because we're a big speedway doesn't mean we're not a – we're a small business in many respects. And so this is going to be a challenging year for us. And the government leaders, at least in this part of the country, are talking about raising property taxes because their revenues are down. Mm. Well, guess who else's revenues are down? And you want to raise our taxes? Yeah. You yeah. know, whether I'm talking about uh, the, the – property tax here at the speedway or or my home or whatever that's crazy man i don't uh, yeah. i'm not going to have the 2020 year that i expected personally or professionally and so your answer to that is raise taxes hmm. do the same thing we did cut 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 yeah that's the answer for the elected officials so not real smart in my book you guys recently held an indy car race here how did that work in terms of like you know no ticket sales which i know is obviously the tracks you know big income source so you couldn't have anybody come buy tickets you had some you know tv money i'm assuming or how did it work uh, nascar and indycar are completely different kinds of of business deals okay. the, the sanction agreements in nascar you get a huge tv check rights fee uh, in indycar you get zero and so that's what makes them um um, you, you see a lot of bouncing around in IndyCar from, you know, promoter to promoter from from uh, particularly amongst the uh, temporary race courses uh, because they can't sustain themselves without that TV money. On the other hand, IndyCar can't get the kind of TV money that NASCAR gets because, you know, ratings are not compatible. So uh, it, it's they're just a different business venture altogether. And, um, you know, Roger Penske, I've, I've known him well for I don't know, what's it been, 35, six years? And uh, Roger called me, what do you want to do? I said, we, we can't have this race, can't afford it, you know, because you, you want your person sanctioned fee, and we have zero revenue to show against it. Right. Plus, so, when you put on the event, you're going to have additional expenses, and so uh, we, we can't do it. So the, the profit model for, say, an IndyCar race for you guys, it is a straight-up, you pay a sanctioning fee, right? and then you hope to make that money back through ticket sales, vendor agreements, luxury boxes, whatever. Right. And that, that's your only revenue is, yeah. is, is the gate uh, sponsors and suites and displays and things like that. So, so if there's no fans. There's no revenue. Yeah. And so uh, Roger said, we got to run Texas. And I said, well, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you uh, unless you want to talk about renting the track from us. He said, well, I can't do that. He said, if we're going to run Texas, you've got to pay us. <laughs> and I said, well, okay. I said, you know, you call me. I didn't call you, <laughs> you know. So, uh, you know, if, if, if uh, that's not going to happen. And so we talked about it, and, and Roger uh, gave me, a, you know, several days worth of passionate talks about we're in this sport together and 
yada, 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 and all these kind of things. And he's right. I, I, I don't disagree with him. And ultimately, we settled on a, a, a smaller number. Um, it still meant that it was a 100% loser. I mean, every penny we spent was was going in the, you know, digging that hole deeper. And so, um, you know, it was, it was one of those things we felt like he was right. We needed to do this to get the sport of IndyCar racing going. NASCAR had started up a couple weeks prior to that. In a similar deal, but like I said, there's a monster TV check where there's no TV check in IndyCar. So um, talked to Marcus Smith about it, and obviously it's his money. He owns the company, and we discussed it, and he said, let's do it. But he said, you need to manage that thing, you know, every penny counts, and, you know, I got it. I understand. You're, you know, totally with you. So we cut every corner that we could and still do it safely. Uh, it was um, easy to do because without any fans, there's not a lot of effort to it. You know, uh, uh, the teams are going to do what they're going to do in there and put on a good race. And so um, it was a big, obviously for us, a big loser, but it's an investment in the future. So, you know, you do what you do, but it's kind of funny. We'll tell you this. This is funny about Roger. So, you know, Roger started texting me all the time about stuff. Which is fine. I've, I love know, that Roger Penske is texting. But yeah. Well, here's the thing. These emojis. We've. Well, that's what's going to get to. So. <laughs> sorry. You start, know. Start over. I'm sorry. Here you go. Okay. <laughs> so, so Roger starts texting me a lot, and and we've texted back and forth before, but Roger's texting me, and he's trying to convince me, you know, that we really need to do this, and and he started ending his his text with emojis. Now I would have <laughs> never pictured. Never pictured Roger Penske uh, <laughs> using emojis, but he does. So um, does he have a go-to? Uh, you know, I don't. Uh, I don't remember. Sad face. Like you like know, the single tear hearts yeah. and stuff. You yeah. know. No, I, I, you know. <laughs> we have to be just, very careful on this one. Yeah, I'm really oh, no, nervous I mean, about my whole career. It's now. no big thing. I mean, you know, I could show them to you, I guess, but <laughs> it's just anyway. I, I've always liked Roger and get along great with him. And, yeah. and, and when he bought Indianapolis, he started calling. Mm-hmm. How do you do this? Oh. You know, what, what's this all about? Why do you do this? And, you know, how big is it? What do the fans get? And one day he called me and said, would you come up to Indianapolis? And I said, well, why? He said, just want you to ride around with me. I want you to Eddie Gossage up the place. <laughs> I said, look, I said, you got some really great people. I have just tremendous respect for uh, Doug Bowles, who's yeah. the president of the track, and, and – uh, you know, th- those guys are great. And I said, you don't need me to come up there and, and step on their toes because I don't know better than they do. They're great. Yeah. And he said, well, they'll go with us. They'll go riding around with us, and we'll all do it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know, I'm, I'm not comfortable doing I mean, you know, I'll tell you what I'd do, but it's I think anybody looking at it would, would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it looks like it was built in the 1940s with money left over from the war, you know, and uh, their, their restroom was. buildings. Yeah, it kind of yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Their restroom buildings, the last time they were touched, uh, was I think somewhere in the 40s. Probably the last time they were cleaned was in the 40s. And, um, you know, I think I'd knock them down and do it over again. And so he came here for the race and gets out his phone and he showed me photos of bathrooms because, <laughs> you know, that's a big part of our business. Yeah, yeah and, for sure. And so he was kind of proud of what they were doing with their bathrooms because we'd discussed that. So yeah, yeah. anyway, it's just, you know, whatever I can do to help, that's, that's sure. great. So, sure. so do, you, do you allow that? In, do you and Marcus Smith decide, like, hey, we're going to – do this on on good faith because we would like to have an IndyCar race for the next bunch of years, and this should solidify that. Well, well, we've we've next to Indianapolis, we've had more IndyCar races consecutively than any other promoter, so we're firmly entrenched. Yeah. and I'm not worried about that. It's just that we need to get the 
flow of economy of the uh, of the of money through the doors and IndyCar racing. Okay. Now the sponsors weren't paying teams because they weren't racing yeah. to deliver what they promised to the sponsors and and so everything just kind of hit a stalemate yeah and so to break that log jam loose you had to have something to kind of get the the flow of economy through the sport and uh, even even though it took us to take a hit mm-hmm. and, and don't misunderstand indycar took a hit too you know um, they they had to pay a lot of expenses on things that they weren't wouldn't otherwise normally do um, to get things moving and, and now things are beginning to move in the sport and money is coming in the doors and teams aren't in quite as bad a shape as they were and people are having you know have jobs and getting paid and so it's working that's that's what it's about and you know um, AJ Foyt's always said uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway made AJ Foyt AJ Foyt didn't make Indianapolis Motor Speedway it takes all of us to kind of you know, make each other work, and and so we're just trying to do our part. You know, and it'll come back to us in some way. I'll I'll remind them someday when they, when <laughs> you know when the negotiations come back. Well, someday they're yeah. going to say, "Yeah, you need to do such and such." Well, here's what I think you need to do, and here's why. So right. you know, yeah. uh, and you, you probably won't even have to say that, but you know, you do that, and you remember who's you know. Mm-hmm. I got a list in my head about yes. folks that that are helpful and partners, and folks that aren't. So I'm sure they do the same. So when did Governor Abbott put Texas sort of in a what we would call a lockdown? I guess middle of March, something yeah. like that. And so I assume at, at that point for you guys, it's just you have to be compliant and that's what you have to oh, do. Oh, yeah, you, you don't have a choice. And, yeah. and um, you know, you, uh, you want to err on the side of caution yourself anyway. Yeah. I, you know, uh, people that work here, I care about them and I want them to be healthy and safe. And so... I can remember that was either a Tuesday afternoon or a Wednesday, something like that. And we had had a meeting, I want to say Monday morning, and I told mm-hmm. them, look, the whole staff, uh, we don't know what's about to happen. I just encourage you to get things from your office that you might need to work at home, get your laptops. Don't leave it in your office. Take it home with yeah. you at night. If we come back to work tomorrow, bring it back with you, you know, that kind of thing. But just be careful so that there may come a day where it's the doors are locked and you can't get back in. Yeah. and. and that's that was how it worked out a couple of days later. So sure. just trying to be careful and trying to be a good manager and get them all prepared to, you know, and I'm sure they had thought about it themselves as well. So, yeah. you know, you don't have any inside scoop on what's going to happen. You're reacting just like everybody else. So just trying to think of things on a bigger scale maybe than folks do. But um, it's tough to me to, you know, manage you know, all these folks that uh, I haven't seen well, – probably seen most of them now through graduation ceremonies mm-hmm. and things like that a little here a little there but you know um to talk about a race coming up in 20 some odd days and you haven't seen them since march and uh don't know that we're going to be able to see w- that we're going to be in the office before that race so sure you know you're trying to you know herd them all down the road <laughs> and and get ready for this race and cover all the bases and that's not easy to do on the phone and emails and texts and right things like that and you know so it's a whole new world. I'm an old school guy. You know, you hear about, well, you know, people bring their dogs to work and, you know, uh, uh, flex time and, uh, uh, doesn't fly know, here. and, oh, be at your <laughs> desk at eight o'clock and no, don't be bringing your dog in here. We're working and, and kids, you know, bring kids to work. And, and I, you know, I think I'm pretty, 
progressive in my thinking and, and mm-hmm. things in the sport, but that right. just uh, that no dogs. Monkeys are okay. Monkeys are cool. Well, yeah, monkeys right. sell tickets. Monkeys Fair. are cool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anybody has a monkey, but if they did, they could bring the monkey to work. All so, right. Yeah. So I'm Tony Stewart worked here. Yeah. For a time. Yeah. 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 He's never done a day's work, work day's worth of work in his life. So <laughs> don't don't. Well, I've seen him drive the tractor at his track. Can you hop out there on a forklift? And oh, I can, yeah, oh, but, I'm right. not, but I'm not going to. So. <laughs> I, I would. I, see, that's the thing is is my first job was at Nashville Fairground Speedway, and it was me and Ed Clark uh, who just retired from Atlanta, uh-huh. yeah. and, and we had a secretary who sold the tickets and a, a maintenance man. And, um, man, I've, I've cleaned toilets and done the PA and drove the pace car and sold tickets and taken tickets and sold concessions and flip burgers and, you know, everything that you got to do at a racetrack. Yeah. So um, I think that was – I wouldn't do it again for a million dollars, but it was, a good, it was a good training. And I did it for $9,000 a year. Right. Uh, so we've Sorry. seen – we've seen uh, – Way off topic. We've seen a, a couple examples of smaller tracks in arguably more rural areas um, go rogue and say we're going to do it anyway or we're going to do it under the guise of it's this or it's that. Texas is in the name of this track. It's clearly a staple of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. If you said, forget what Governor Abbott says, we're going to run a race and we're going to have fans, what could happen? <laughs> uh, I don't know. I wouldn't think it, even yeah. much less do it. So, you know, um, we have to do things right. And it's kind of funny, you know, the media gives you such grief about uh, things at times that, uh, you know, are but are you are you properly distancing at the IndyCar race? Uh, you're doing this right. You're doing it. Of course we are because you, we can't afford to not do it. You know, uh, the state uh, could make life really really tough on us, and uh, so you you got to do things right. We're we're more obligated than anybody. So, um, and also to the sports, not to our sport, but all sports. Because if we screw it up, uh, and I'm looking at you, golf and tennis. Uh, you know, how are you going to play football if you can't play golf or tennis without getting each other sick? So, uh, you know, NASCAR and IndyCar have really done it right in my book. Uh, I mean, NASCAR, the drivers aren't allowed in the garage. There's no practice. There's no qualifying. They're, they're, so uh, I'll call you and tell you when I need you at the car out on the grid. And that's the only time you see the driver. So, um, you know, I I, I don't know how the, what where the other sports are fouling up there, but Boy, uh, if we fouled up, it would just uh, it'd make life more difficult to get things restarted for the other sports as well. When you say the state can make things really difficult for you if you weren't to fall in line, what does that entail? Anything from, from taxes? I mean, certainly their enforcement. They could, boy, you know, uh, here in Texas, you know, the, we, you got the State Department of Public Safety, which is state troopers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also have the Texas Rangers. You know, uh, the last thing you want to see is is 200 state troopers show up on your property. Yeah. And um, uh, or your or somebody from the tax collector's office show up and explain the facts of life to you or whatever it may be. Yeah. You know, so there's all kinds of ways. Uh, the bottom line is, is that you got to be a good citizen and do your duty. And uh, if you don't follow the laws, there's chaos. And so uh, we got to follow the laws and we're, we're going to. That, that's. We're we're a reputable organization, and we're we're been here for a long time, and going to be here in this business for a long time to come. So you got to do the right thing. We talked to a couple of smaller tracks that kind of did their own thing to an extent, 
and they had heard from people in the industry saying, hey, you might be pushing us back a little bit when we try to get going with other events. What do you feel about that? Um, you, you know, I get that there are small businesses that are struggling and, and really having a hard time with being told what to do with their private money by the government. And, you know, there was a case of that with the uh, hair salon in Dallas that made national news, and they arrested the, the lady that ran the hair salon for opening, uh, put her in jail. And um, that's Texas. And, uh, y- you know, so that's, uh, that, was, that was extreme. The governor stepped in and said, whoa, that's not what I meant. Get her out of jail. Um, so I understand where those racetracks are coming from because they're week to week. You know, if it rains on them, they, you know, they literally don't eat that week, that kind of thing. So I get it. Um, but it's not good for the sport, you know, uh, for, for the sport of motor racing. Uh, but their needs are more immediate than the big picture of motor racing. So I get that, too. It's a, it's a tough dilemma. Um, Why do you say it, it is bad for the sport, though? Well, you don't see people having rogue football games right. uh, or, or rogue PGA tournaments, you know. <laughs> Uh, so, you, you know, um, we're, we're a different sport in every regard, but it still, um, it, it makes us, I can see how some people would go, look at those idiots, you know, let, uh, that sport of auto racing and, you know, uh, stereotypes and all like that. And it's not like that. I mean, I, I it's not like that. Heck, some of the smartest people I know, some of the best people I know, some of the best business people I know run Saturday night dirt tracks, you know, and and they're just trying to make a living. It, this is just all uncharted territory for all of us, them included, and the, and the folks in the government as well. So it's just, uh, in so many respects, we're in a no-win situation for everybody right now. So you have a cup race coming up in a few weeks. As I understand it, that is the lone motorsport that comes through here where you do make some television revenue. Well, all the NASCAR races have right. TV revenue tied to them. Right. Yeah. So, uh, whether that be Cup Xfinity or, or Truck, all of them have under the NASCAR some TV umbrella. Money. Yes, under the NASCAR umbrella. So, is it so with no fans but some television revenue? We don't need to know specifics, but is it profitable? It gets you know helps your cash flow. Okay. You know that kind of thing. Fortunately for us, we're going to have fans. Uh, and, and, you know, fans means ticket revenue. Fans mean sponsors are, are you know, they're not going to be perfectly pleased, but they're more pleased than none. Uh, you know, you're going to sell some hot dogs and some Cokes, and you're going to sell a ball cap or two and a T-shirt or two and that kind of thing. So all those things help. Now, I had many cup races where we were just one caution short of breaking even. I tell the drivers that all the time. <laughs> one more caution, <laughs> would have sold another box of hot dogs. Would have broken even on the night, on the day. So uh, keep that in mind next time. Don't you make the second largest revenue of anyway? Um, we pay the second, pay the second largest, the second largest, and third largest purse. purses in the sport. Yeah, okay. so they should be wrecking people for you. Uh, <laughs> I ought to be able to just just punch a number, and that's you know, okay, you crash. Yeah, you know, I don't want anybody to get hurt, but I don't want to tear up a car. Just give me a good spin, you know. You guys are good. <laughs> So we arrived here yesterday, and this morning on the news it said by tomorrow you have to start wearing a mask here in this area. So with your cup race coming up in a couple of weeks, are there any concerns that suddenly you might not be allowed to have fans in the stands? It could happen. I mean, you know, you got to do what the governor says you have to do and what the state says and uh, what the county judge says. You know, somebody said, well, what if they say you got to wear masks? Well, everybody's got to wear masks. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, it's, that's the deal. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, we'll we'll do whatever we're required to do. Personally, I'm going to come as Mr. Wrestling number two. <laughs> That's going to be my mask. Weird. I had yeah, no idea. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and uh, you'd have to be a little older to know Mr. Wrestling number two, but um, not number one. He was kind of shaky. Number two, though. Actually, Mr. Wrestling number two, this is important. No, yeah. He, yeah, yeah, let's get into this. He, he, died, he died about six weeks ago. Huh. Well, so, that's sad. Sorry for him. Well, this came out in November. So. I'm sorry? This will be out in November. Oh, he died eight months ago. <laughs> we shouldn't laugh. He did, though. <laughs> only making it worse. I feel, I feel sorry for Mrs. Two. Right, yeah. Now she's just, like, one? I, half? I, well, two minus zero is still two. Yeah. So, uh, uh, <laughs> so if – how do we do this? Uh so if things change before the race comes and you're not allowed to have fans at all because of some crazy swell that we didn't expect, can the event still go on? Yeah, I would imagine we, we could, you know. So we'll see. i I, I got to be honest, I don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, the bottom line is 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 you do whatever they tell you you got to do. Whatever standards you have to meet, you're going to meet them. And uh, if we can hold the race, great. You know, it, they may also say 100%, you know, yeah. that kind of thing yeah. too. Uh, who knows? So um, you just you just roll with the punches, man. So we wouldn't be sitting here if you weren't Eddie Gossage. And by that, I mean known for antics, publicity stunts, if you will. Antics. Is there any COVID-19 special thing that you have planned for the race coming up where fans will be allowed in the stands? Yes. No, no plans. Okay. But when it first happened... You know, see, you got to understand, I'm sarcastic. That's my <laughs> sense of humor. Are you? <laughs> Hard to believe. And um, and in everything I th- I think of, I actually, am, it's, it's, I'm trying to be funny. You may not find it funny, but in my head, it's funny stuff. Hey, that's my whole life. And yeah. so, you know, even, even a pandemic, I'm going, hmm, <laughs> what fun can we have with this? And so... Uh, you know, you, you, at the time, did you expect it to last a month, two right, months, right. six months, a year, three years? I mean, you, you know. Yeah. And in my mind, I'm like, no, this can't go long. A couple of weeks, you know, because they can't shut the world down for, mm-hmm. you know, apparently they can. Yeah. Uh, so um, I was talking, and, and oddly enough, my son said, no, no, you can't do that, uh, which is probably, you know, it's when the when the child assumes the role of the parent and tells the parent no. That's you know, so probably not exactly right. What, what was uh, yeah? What was the idea? <laughs> I was going to lock myself in the speedway until the pandemic was over, and going to shoot it like Blair Witch Project, <laughs> where I'm all over the place trying to find something to eat, seek shelter, water, whatever. You know, we like the show alone, but at Texas Motor Speed. Yeah, right, right. right. Yeah, right. and he only has a bow and arrow. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I've, I've <laughs> his ten items are keys to get into the concessions. <laughs> well, that's the thing, you know. I, I'm trying to find water, and in, in the background, you see pallets of water that are here for the race that didn't get held, and I'm, I'm searching everywhere for water, and there's pallets right behind me. Uh, you know, everybody, if you think back, everybody was searching for toilet paper right yeah, right yeah plenty we had semi loads sitting here <laughs> because we had a race in two weeks mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you gotta have toilet paper yeah you know yeah and and we have three grades of it too D- you know 
not so good. Right. Pretty good and really good it's like stuff. like the higher up you're sitting, the better it is? Or exactly. It? Okay, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I know which was which, which, which trainer was which. You knew where to get the good stuff. Yeah. yeah, right. So, you know, everybody's going running crazy, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm burning it over here. Yeah. Just throwing yeah. it away. So, uh, you know, uh Anyhow, so, that, so the but, idea was yeah, that was yeah. kind of the idea, and and, and your, your son a, thought this would be poor taste. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and so he was. In retrospect, now that we're months into this thing, mm-hmm. he's probably right, and I would have run out of ideas of things to do. But you know, with a I'd be running with a Blaney T-shirt tied around my head, you know, yeah, and, yeah, right. and uh, <laughs> you know, using I don't know one of the light poles that I took down to try and pry something open or. <laughs> You know, <laughs> stupid me. I didn't get my keys. I got a key ring this big, you right, know, and I right. left it yeah. left it outside the gate yep. and uh, botched it all up. Yeah. So yep. anyway, um, <laughs> you know, he d- don't misunderstand. He's he's an adult. He's an attorney. So it's not like it, my eight year old said yeah. no, Dad. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, you know. So he's so he's reasonably what, smart. When you win at Texas, you get to fire off six shooters. Right. So how about? I'm sure you got a mascot guy. No, we killed him. Didn't like him. Well, it's kind of where this is going. Um, what about a COVID nineteen mascot that the winner can pop, 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 with the six shooters shoot, right there? Shoot up the yeah. COVID-19. You guys can kill COVID nineteen here at Texas Motor Speedway. Wouldn't it kind of look like the Philly fanatic? You know, you'd be killing the Philly fanatic in victory lane. Well, uh, I think people like the Philly fanatic. That's what I'm saying. But right, it would look like similar to the Philly fanatic. So you've already thought of what COVID nineteen would look like Looks as like a mascot. Philly fanatic. Yeah. <laughs> Based on what? It's got that snout thing, you know, when you see the I little. See, I, oh, I just pictured I like a picture blob. like a giant ball, yeah, like right. a fuzzy ball, yeah, with like, like a, little sticks exactly. coming out everywhere, and then like yeah. miniature hands and feet yeah. that yeah. can barely walk. Right. I don't know. And then True X is just like pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Also, oh, True like, X is going to win. Well, I mean, I'm calling it. Okay. That's what I'm taking. Yeah, not a bad bet. Also, um, it's a pretty good bet. Kyle, but he's Kyle, never won here. Kyle Bush is going to win it. This comes out in November. We'll just use whichever one makes us look good. So in 1988. I'm at the, working for the Miller Brewing Company, and it's the off-season for racing. And so they said, why don't you go to the Super Bowl and handle uh, Larry Zonko? Uh, wow. It's in Miami. So yeah, he throws his arm over my shoulder, and I look like a country hymn was hanging off. My, you know, just his <laughs> hand was just huge and meaty. And all. So we, we go to Radio Row, and I'm setting him up. He's doing one interview after another mm-hmm. with Radio Row, mm-hmm. and he'd say, you know, Bengals, 28 to 24 go to the next one he'd say 49ers 35 to to 7 on and on and finally it's like zong what are you doing you haven't said the same score twice he said no but you know those guys <laughs> in bozeman montana are gonna go monday morning he told us he the score it. exactly yeah right <laughs> yeah one of them's gonna hit so that was his thinking so I, william byron yeah <laughs> yeah just keep saying names yeah and, right you know. eventually we look really yeah. smart yeah. Yeah. yeah so i learned that from zong good for him all right. We're here in the end of June. We're kind of headed towards another era of things starting to clamp down a little bit more. Um, the adjacent county, just they just required masks as of literally this morning. Um, <clears throat> you could see a scenario where requirements might change in the next few weeks. If I'm going on stereotypes, fans in Texas may not be the type to like to be told what to do, whether it's masks, social distancing, or whatever it is. Is that something you guys can enforce easily with a, kind of a rowdy fan base? Well, you know, the problem with government is that they make rules that you have to en- enforce and you have to spend your money to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the problem with so many things is it's it's either unenforceable or very, very, very hard to enforce. And so, um, I don't know, we'll do the best we can and, and make a good faith effort to do it. 
and uh, we'll use Big Hoss <laughs> and the PA to tell people constantly to, you know, you need a mask on yeah. or, or don't forget to social distance or wash your hands a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have uh, for every customer that comes through the door uh, a, a, a personal um, disinfecting spray container that they can keep their hands clean mm-hmm. and so forth. And yeah. so, uh, you know, you, you, you're going to do everything you truly can because the last thing I want is to hear about somebody got sick here. Sure. You know, that's yeah. not good for us. It's not good for motorsports. It's not good for sports. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to do our part um, in, as, as best we possibly can uh, and, and ask the fans to do the best they can do. Right. You know, so okay. you're relying so much on the fans to do the right thing. Yeah. And so. I assume that's an impossible position between being sort of a good faith community leader, following what you're told to do, versus making sure that the fans have the experience they want. In, in good faith, we're going to make every possible right. effort. Mm-hmm. You know, the reality is, is that, you know, you can only lead a horse to water yeah. and, and then it's on them. And so, um, you know, I, do, I, I hope the fans understand the responsibility that they carry when they come to something like this, too. So this will be airing in November. Where is Texas Motor Speedway when this comes online? We should have run our second cup race mm-hmm. and and be done for the season and be headed towards next year which is our 25th anniversary so uh that's a big deal to me uh i want to say 25th is your diamond anniversary yeah send me diamonds <laughs> um but uh so we're, we've got to plan our 25th anniversary uh, activities yep. and work on that and make a big to do out of out of 25 years of racing here in no limits texas so um hard for me to believe you know, I'm the guy that they sent to buy the land. And so, you know, um, this is, this is uh, you know, there's few things that you ever do where you go, ah, they're going to put that on my tombstone. Well, they're going to put that on my tombstone. Yeah. I know that. This yeah. is this is what uh, I'll be known for, whatever, you know, whatever else happens, this this will be it. And, um, and that's cool uh, to have been here that long and to had the successes we've had and all the stories that have come out of this place and yeah. that kind of thing. It's it's kind of a neat deal. Um, hard for, for me to believe growing up the way I did that, you know, you'd be in a place like this one day, but it's been good. Uh, two quick questions, a little bit out of order, and then we'll move on. Um, Texas Motor Speedway, obviously it's a pretty big facility. With SMI, you've got a whole infrastructure. You guys probably aren't going anywhere regardless of what happens with this deal. Yeah. Um, what do you think racetracks as a whole will endure? Do you think we'll see less? Will it not change anything? Well, you, you know, the only constant is change. And and the sport changes uh, at just light speed, um, which means it gets more expensive by the moment. Whether you're talking about a race car and how it evolves over time and teams and whatnot, or the, the demands of fans, you know. Um, I can remember running Bristol in 81, 82, 83, you know, and whatever hamburgers and whatnot were left over from the race, you froze them and you thawed them out of the next race, you know. Uh, you, you know, you you did things just on a shoestring back then. Yeah. Well, today you can't do them like that. You know, you've, you've got to uh, do things properly. you got to have plentiful, clean restrooms. You know, back then we might. You know, you, you might go through and hose it down before the next race. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and um, you know, we didn't have big screens back then. Well, now not only do you have a big screen, you've got a million, multi-million dollar big screen over the biggest television in the world. And, and it eats money. 
<laughs> um, you know, the production to keep it running, yeah. uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Fans demand more all the time. And if you don't meet that demand, they're not going to come back. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you're constantly having to evolve with the demands of the fans. In some respects, you're trying to meet it. In some respects, you're trying to lead it. Yeah. And um, so, you know, will that slow down some because the economy of our sport has got to change a little bit because of we all took a, a shot to the stomach in 2020? It, it Probably a little bit, but not as much as it should, you know. I don't think fans are going to go, you know, <laughs> they had a bad year in 2020. Let's let's hold off on expecting that until 2025, you know. They're, right, right. They're just, uh, you know, and that's just human nature. So, um, you know, we'll just keep doing uh, There's a lot of things we want to do to Texas Motor Speedway mm-hmm. as part of its constant ongoing evolution. But um, those things may have to wait a little while. And our final sit-down for our whole giant dune trip was uh, was Sebring. Now, of course, if you're a fan of our show, you probably already know what Sebring is and what Sebring is all about. But specific to the year of 2020, Sebring was in a unique position because, uh, Ryan, what, what happened in the month of March? Yeah, there was this thing called coronavirus. It sucked. And uh, 10 days before the 12 hours of Sebring, they decided to call it, which in in the world of promoting a car race is really, really short notice, which also specifically means that Sebring was way down the line of promoting the event and getting the event ready to go when they had to pull the plug, which also has a big financial impact. And so we'll hear about that. Now, what may not necessarily be common knowledge is that Sebring does have uh, a parent company. It actually was acquired by IMSA, the International Motorsports Association, back in 1997. And then, of course, IMSA has now become property of NASCAR Holdings uh, very recently. So. Uh, it's, it's, again, got a very different set of responsibilities. We specifically met with a gentleman by the name of John Story. John is involved in the marketing and PR uh, of the event. Uh, the track president, Wayne Estes, was uh, kind of taken away from us very, very last minute because it also happened to be during the IMSA opening weekend that we were there. Yeah, unusual for us to be recording on a race weekend. And then we started setting up for our shooting with John Story, which you can see on Amazon Prime. But uh, we sat down with him. I had like two and a half Caesar salads because I was starving. And we talked about all the things that are related to Sebring, the money they had already spent, and how they planned on recuperating throughout the year. And fun fact about John Story, he's been a longtime member of the motorsports community. He's worked for a lot of our previous guests. So we had a really nice time talking with him. Meow. All right, we're going to start in five, four, three, two. So we drove out to Sebring to kind of get a sense of what's going on, mm-hmm. and we get the PR guy. Well, sort of. Sort of. Are we going to get PR answers out of you? Yeah, absolutely. Very corporate, <laughs> very stiff. At least we know. Um, yeah. I'm just being honest with you. It's going to be very rehearsed. Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, I have no time for you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you've got 10 minutes? Is that... I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it just became five. <laughs> Taking quick. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've been at Sebring for what, two years? About two and a half. Yeah, two, two and a half years now. Uh Yeah. So Sebring being the track that we've all known and loved for decades, it is technically a NASCAR property. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's part of IMSA properties, which is NASCAR. Let's call it end of Q3, Q4 2019. 
you guys are you're forecasting what you need for proper PR and marketing for 2020. Man, we had a great plan yeah. too. Yeah, I'm sure you did. <laughs> right. Uh, but there's operational forecasts. There's PR marketing forecasts. There's a bunch of line items yeah. predicted for your 2020 yeah. budget. Where was the pandemic in those line items? Well, let me tell you. Let me explain it to you this way. From an advertising standpoint and from a track prep standpoint, we spent most of our money. You know, remember, we were within two weeks of this race um, in March of 2020 when we pulled the plug. I mean, we were convinced as a, as a track staff that we were going to run this race. We, were, we just knew it, and uh, everything was fine. And then literally in a day, it, um, it just turned upside down. And the NBA, when they canceled not only a game but their season, I don't, can't remember the guy's name that got sick and showed up at the arena, and they remember the players all ran off the court. Yeah. We went, uh-oh, yeah, that's a big one. And, uh, you know, we were sharing texts with each other and swapping around. Rick Humphrey, who's now at uh, Michelin Raceway Road Atlanta, as it is, um, we were all texting back and forth going, this ain't good, this ain't good. <laughs> and sure enough, it wasn't good. And, you know, I mean, we had a full-on race. We had everything we were supposed to do, we were ready and prepared. And um, so we spent all the money to operate the race. It just didn't happen. So to say it put our year on its ear was an understatement, man. I mean, it's crazy. We are going through it today about what we're going to do in November. Um, because yeah, you've it? already spent your marketing money, well, so to speak. Most of it, yeah. yeah. I mean, the last two weeks of a marketing campaign didn't get spent. But operationally, the only thing we didn't spend money on was the people who were coming to work that race. So you can imagine, you know, how much money was spent to operate a race that didn't happen. And, um, you know, the worst thing, as bad as we felt as a staff, I mean, it's 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 kind of condescending. Not condescending, but it's patronizing, if you will, for our fans. But, man, the fans that come here are the best race fans in the world. And I, I hadn't been here before I started working here. And when I got here, I was amazed yeah. at the fans and, and what the people are, you know, it as a, yeah, from yeah. a competitor standpoint, you know, I mean, you just people lining the fence line here and screaming and yelling. And sometimes they have clothes on, sometimes they don't. I mean, it's <laughs> exactly, but you know, when we had to tell those people, Hey, sorry, but we're not going to have a race this year. It was, I mean, it was like a funeral. It was, it was really bad for those people. And, uh, yeah, we'll get them back here hopefully in November and uh, knock on wood, this virus will be gone and we can get back to doing what Sebring's great at. And, uh, you know, we've, two years now we've been named the number one motorsports race in America by USA Today. And uh, we got that distinction in 2019 and we got it again in 2020. And uh, we're pretty excited about that and it's there for a reason. So, yeah, sorry being a PR guy again, but... Um, um, yeah, but that that's it's our fans that do that, you know. So it really sucked that we couldn't uh, have them here. Yeah, you guys had been planning and planning for this. It's one of the biggest sports car races in the world. And 10 days out, you have to shut it down. Yeah, it, it, it was uh, – I, I think we literally went home one day and said, this is going to happen. It's, it, we're going we're to pull this off. We're going to be able to get through our race, and all the bad stuff's going to happen after. And the next day, we postponed it. I, I think it was literally like that, that we went – we all went home, and business as usual. And the next day, it was all decided in the course of a couple hours. Some tracks, some parts of the country, they build in a shutdown period because of weather, time of year, that kind of thing. People come to Sebring even in the winter because the weather is compliant. Yeah. So, so much off-season, winter-season testing right. here. I'm under the impression that Sebring is more or less a year-round track. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, this year it's been a little different. It's even been busier in the summer. Um, I, I can't believe there's teams testing here now. Car clubs, you know, uh, a lot of the sports car clubs uh, that are here, um, guys bringing their cars out, guys and gals bringing their 
sports cars out. It's hotter than blue blazes here in the summer, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Um, how was that practice session? It was today, rough earlier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrow's going to be tough. Yeah. Um, you you got to hydrate, 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 <laughs> yeah, as they exactly. say, right? You can't yeah. do it enough. Um, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's normally we slow down in the summer, but pretty much, you know, October through April or May, going around the calendar that way, it's every day. And this year it's once we open the track back up, which would have been in, uh, I think we opened probably in early June, if I recall. It's been almost every day we've had cars on track. So whereas some racetracks, especially in the colder parts of the country, have to budget in a shutdown period every winter, off-season, whatever you want to call it, Sebring absolutely doesn't do that. We don't. I mean, any any revenue that we normally get in the summer from a track rental standpoint, it's kind of a bonus. Um, you know, we, we sometimes get clubs that will come in in the summer, and, and that's always a great thing. Um, you know, track rental rates are typically lower in the summer because it's just it's not an ideal time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a little bit different this year. Um, our forecast for this year, for 2020, is, is very different. Our budget forecast, we were talking about it even today. Uh, what are we going to do for November? We still don't know what November is going to look like when the 12 hours gets back here. Are we going to be full song again? Uh, can Is the governor, is the government going to allow us to uh, have a full, you know, all of our fans back? Mm-hmm. Uh, we've sold a lot of tickets already for the 12 hours in November. You know, we're trying to figure out first how can, how can we safely accommodate all of them and without having to force refunds and things like that. Fortunately, we work for a really big company. Um, NASCAR has got resources, personal resources, people. They're very deep. And so they stay in tune with what's going on at the government level, and then they dictate to us, and you know, they give us recommendations and dictation as to this is what you're going to do, be it, be it social distancing, how many people can you allow on your racetracks, how we're going to make this work, how we're going to re- responsibly bring fans back to the racetrack. We're going to do it for two reasons. One, we want people to be safe, you know, as safe as this sport can be. I'm always fond of saying this is – Bill France Jr. told me a long time ago, never say this is a safe sport. It's a <laughs> – it's a, you know, it's it's – Everything about life is dangerous, right? So you can't. I, it gives me chills when I hear promoters of any kind, any sport, say, "We're going to make sure you have a safe experience." <laughs> can't do that, you know. It's really, you know, we're living in different times, and uh, you know, it, it's. Uh, you know, but our job is to make sure we make it as safe as possible, open it up as quickly as possible, let people come and enjoy what it is you guys do for a living. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of passion, especially in Sebring. Um, but at the same time, we have a big responsibility, and it's been driven from the top at NASCAR, Steve Phelps and the France family and everybody else. It's not just about auto racing for us. It's, um, you know, the NFL, Major League Baseball, the NBA. You know, NASCAR got started first. And believe me, those other sports leagues were looking at NASCAR saying, okay, we're going to see how they do it. And if there's a lot of backlash from the public, we're going to let those guys take it. So I've had a lot of experience here at Sebring, not only racing, but I worked at the racing school that was here for a long time. Uh, but I'm not really sure what all of the revenue streams that Sebring has go. <laughs> <laughs> That's a question. Uh, but but what are what are yeah. how would you yeah, what would you list as all the streams of yeah. income? So I've uh, well the the, you know, the three big revenue streams are obviously tickets and hospitality from our fans and our corporate partners, um, sponsorships. Um, track signage, things that you see around the racetrack, um, our partnerships. Really, the biggest driver here, though, is track rentals. Um, you know, just these car clubs, team testing. Um, we stay busy. We're probably busy 300 days of the year. 
um, and and that's a really big source of revenue. On the IMSA side of things, which is different than the NASCAR side of things, which I'm probably more accustomed to, which there's TV monies and things like that, big dollars involved in on the NASCAR side of things. On the on the on this side, uh, the IMSA side, you know, we don't see those big TV contracts yet. Um, I'm, I'm quite certain that David Pettit and his gang will will uh, you know continue to promote the sport as a whole, and we'll start seeing that. But the you know the number one source of revenue here is track rentals for sure. Track rentals, fan events, obviously. Um Springtime is probably one of the nicest times to be at Sebring. And so the idea, I assume, between the 12-hour and track runnels, that's probably your prime time. Yeah, from uh, probably minus the holidays, uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas and New Year. Um, we're pretty much every day of the year from the beginning of December through the end of April. Right. So to There's lose no time. So to lose two of those months. Sounds to me like a pretty big hit. It was, but, you know, we'll bounce back. It's God like, damn it, PR guy. <laughs> no, okay. I'll answer it oh, this good, way. No, 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 let me no. answer it this way. Oh, true. I'm not, I'm just being a dick. No, no, it's fine. I'll answer it this way. You know, it's a, you know, there was a lot that all the tracks in the NASCAR portfolio saw a pretty tremendous hit. Um, the tracks that don't have track rentals per se and rely on no and even us we couldn't rent the track yeah right we were shut down yeah um you know we only were there was a a great deal of uh anxiety about letting some of these teams not teams but clubs come back even at the beginning of june you know will they stay apart will the drivers and the the the, these guys these aren't professional drivers remember these are these are weekend warriors are they going to take this thing seriously uh, are they going to wear a mask? Are they going to, you know, when they go to fuel their car, are they going to, uh, you know, no shaking hands, no, you know, just the things that have become norm now. Um, it was all new then, you know. So, yeah, we were scared to death that, um, you know, how long is this thing going to last? Because when we shut the track down, we certainly didn't know we were going to be able to open it back up in June. We thought we might be down for the year. And, you know, then you were talking about budgets earlier. Yeah, then we start scrubbing the budget, and it's like, holy moly, um, you know, how are we going to do this? And um, how are we going to be responsible corporate partners to our sister, you know, to our parent company, you know? I mean, there's a lot going on in NASCAR these days, and, you know, Jim France and Lisa France Kennedy, you know, they've made, they've doubled down on this sport um, of motorsports, not just NASCAR. You know, they've really... Um, they've pushed, as they say, that they're all in. And, um, you know, they've made some major, major commitments. And six months later, after they've made some big corporate decisions, you know, we get hit with this virus. And, um, you yeah, know, that's probably the first thing we all talked about here at Sebring anyway is, wow, um, this is big. How many full-time employees are there here at Sebring? I think we have 16 right now. That's it. Yeah, it's a very Full-time. small staff. Wow. Um, you know, we obviously we ramp up big time in the, you know, it comes to events. But uh, sixteen full time staff that includes our maintenance department, accounting, marketing, everything. And how many big events would you say you put on that require outside contractors? Uh, only two, uh, really, just the twelve hours, which is a week long event, and mm-hmm. then uh, the the encore, which is normally in November, but this year was the twelve hours again. Yeah. So really, so, there's only two really big events here. So really, it's just the 16 full-time staff yep. that are truly relying on the income here from Sebring. 
Uh, Whereas some tracks we go to, they don't have an event that's globally recognized like the Sebring 12-Hour is. But not only does the Sebring 12-Hour bring fans and teams from all over the world for that particular race, you guys also have a, a race on the same weekend with the WC, which literally brings teams from overseas to come here. And I could see the locals absolutely having a reason to be concerned, not, not so much for fans, but bringing all these teams from Europe into their town. Yeah, and, if you, and I, now that I'm reminded, if you think back to the 12 hours in 2020, in March 2020, the WEC made the decision first that they weren't going to race. It, and they came to us, they came to John Doonan um, and said, we're out. This was um, the 10 days before. And, and I personally was a little bit shocked. I, I didn't see that coming. And uh, Gerard Nouveau from uh, WC called John Doonan and said they were not going to race. And that was the beginning of the postponement of the 12 hours as an entirety. I mean, like I said earlier, we went, we went home that night thinking we'll be okay still. Uh, we just won't have the, the WEC. And now how are we going to communicate that to the fans that bought tickets only for the WEC? And we're still going to have the 12 hours. Well, as we know now, none of that happened. But, uh, yeah, we were pretty confident that it was going to go on as scheduled and just be the old 12 hours as it used to be but yeah there's a lot most of the racers if not all maybe are in the wc there's a couple of american individuals but um not many and john doonan made i heard him on a on a interview he did and i didn't realize that if it wasn't ours we don't care yeah no no, there are no others there are no other media sources in the world (laughs) because this is this is it. This Buck it. stops here, pal. Yeah, absolutely. This is like the Daily Show, isn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but way less talented. Yeah, and yeah. a lot more weight gain. <laughs> but I, I just can't believe the number of people that are over don't here. Don't you dare, sir. Don't behind you the do scenes. You're about to see a table get flipped. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, you sh- but it's by a piece of falling equipment. <laughs> if you people could see the production crew that they have here, it, uh, it would really amaze you. Uh-huh. Where it was like people come from all over the world to go to Monterey for vacation and uh, and obviously like going to Laguna Seca yeah but you don't come to Sebring really for anything other than coming to Sebring easy now so there is a sense of community uh, that you have little, to be responsible it's a for. great little town but not many <laughs> I like people how you brought that around <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's a great little town but not many people vacation here right that's fair right. um in fact most people don't live here year-round <laughs> um it would, half of our population goes back north it's right. true true right. story yeah. yeah so uh um but yeah, it's uh, you know when, but we are told that the IMSA WeatherTech series—it's some great percentage, thirty or forty percent of the drivers in the series are from outside of the United States. Right. So it's not just the WEC that's sure. concerned. It's you know look at uh, Daytona in uh, July, uh, the IMSA race when they went back racing. Yeah. I think you had a driver from Brazil who contracted the virus, but I think he probably got the virus in Miami. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, he was in the United States quarantining, so to speak, so that he'd be able to make it to right. Daytona, and it ended up knocking him out anyway. But right. you know that there's so much to consider when you think about this, um, from a team standpoint, a driver standpoint, a, a sanctioning body standpoint, mm-hmm. not to mention a track standpoint. There are several hotels that continue to spry up along the 27. Yeah. Yep. I'm going to go on a limb and say they're not here for booming resort industry of no. Sebring, Florida. No, they're not. So it kind of speaks for itself. Just by going down 27, you can see the, yeah, right, right. the impact of all that. 
Yeah, I've gotten calls uh, directly from hotel managers here a lot recently um, asking what our plans are because they're trying to claw back some of the revenue that they lost from Mm -hmm. March Mm -hmm. because they were in a full-on refund situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of the teams and sponsors said, just hang on to my money, we'll be back in November. The majority did not. Um, the majority wanted their money back, and as is policy in that business, they gave them their money back. So, right. you know, the, it's not just the track yeah. and just IMSA that had a, uh, you know, had to work out their financials. You know, there's a lot of folks, a lot of restaurants here and bars that uh, rely on, you know, this track, this particularly this uh, the 12 hour race, the Mobile One 12 hours being here, you know, it drives their year. Mm-hmm. Um, and and let's let's be honest too, Sebring's not known for it's bass fishing in orange groves around the world, but it is known for motorsports. Yeah. And, you know, there's a lot of pride in this town that people it's, – it's often said to me that more people in Europe know where Sebring is than people outside of Florida, which is pretty amazing when you think about that. Yeah. And, um, and it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. You know, you go over to Europe and – you know, there's guys wearing Sebring Turn 10 shirts right, that right. are going to spa. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, Wayne ran into somebody, a group of guys at spa one year. Mm-hmm. They were British, I think, but they were wearing Turn 10 Sebring shirts. <laughs> That's cool. You know, it's like, yeah, it's very cool. And it's, yeah. very, it's a lot of pride to say, you know, hey, this is, you know, you know about us. Yeah. But, you know, you go to South Georgia and you say you're from Sebring, Florida, and they're like, well, where is that? I tell non-racing friends I'm going to Sebring for for racing, testing, whatever, and they hear C, yeah, and they're like, oh, that must be really nice. Yeah, it's by the coast. And I'm like, it's in the middle of the state, and it's S E A B R I N G. That's yeah. it. No, yeah. it's yeah. it's not spelled yeah. that way, and it's not near the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. With 300 track rentals, even if it's not a big signature event, there's still a lot of hotels. And a lot of restaurants here that seem to rely on the infrastructure that comes out of Sebring. So when you guys are shut down, what does that do to this area? It hurt. Um, I think it hurt the area. Um, you know, but again, I don't, I don't want to say that it's the virus hurt these people. Um, you know, we, we like any other small town. I mean, we saw these small bars and restaurants closed. They're still closed, some mm-hmm. of them. And... You know, the the kids that work there and rely on tips, they're getting nothing. And um, and, and that's not unique to Sebring. Um, it's, it's been tragic around the country, what's happened. And, and um, you know, unfortunately, in not Sebring, but in resort towns in Florida along the coast, it's been particularly difficult for these young people, particularly, and then the business owners. If people aren't traveling. People aren't, you know, they're not going anywhere um uh, the restaurants are empty not just because they have to be but because people are scared yeah and they don't want to go in the restaurants they don't want to go sit at a bar they don't want to and you just think the trickle down of what that does to the a local economy is amazing and we feel a sense of responsibility frankly to get things going back here again so that we can help jumpstart these small mom and pop businesses that need traffic you know they need you know walmart's walmart walmart's going to you know, you got to go to Walmart, you know, but the local eatery down the street, um, the local restaurants, the local bar, you know, they have zero sources of revenue if the country is shut down. And so we have to get this place going again responsibly so that the car clubs will come back. We'll get those 300 days again, and we will. You know, we're, we're seeing a real uptick in track rentals at odd times of the year, right in the heat of the summer. Yeah. Um, but we do feel a real sense of responsibility for this town 
And, um, you know, we kind of wear it on our sleeve, if you will. And we're happy to. Um, I'm not going to say that we are the economic driver of this community. We're not. But um, but we do play a pretty big part of it. Um, you know, we're not the largest employer in Highlands County by any stretch. We're actually quite small. But we bring a lot of people to town, and we bring a lot of recognition to town. And, uh, you know, we're proud of that. And, uh, you know, we, every day we try to do a little bit more in the community. And right now what this community needs is for us to bring people back to this racetrack. Yeah. Governor DeSantis was one of the first governors to really start opening up yeah. businesses. Yeah. Um, how did that immediately affect you guys? Well, it allowed us to get people back on the racetrack in June. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we believe that at least for that standpoint, we only look at it from a racetrack standpoint, of course, yeah. but, you know, we, we felt that we were, you know, we were able to do that with pretty high degree of safety. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't speak for bars and restaurants and all the other things that go on in the economy, but, but this racetrack, you know, with car clubs, when you have 200 cars out here and the paddock as large as it is here at Sebring, we can space them out, you know, and we, we take that part pretty seriously. You know, we don't let, you know, if you bring in, if a, if a, if a weekend warrior, if a, a racer brings in his trailer, they've got to be 15 feet apart from an awning to an awning. You know, they can't touch. They can't, they, they're not, there's no more pitting together, uh, no more being in the paddock together. You space out. And when you go into a crowd of six or more, you're going to put a mask on. If you're with your group of six that you arrived with, we assume you drove in the same car. So we can't, we're not helping you there. But if you want to get a group of 30 or 40 people together and just tell war stories about the day on the racetrack, put on your mask, be responsible, stay apart as far as you can. Um, no you know, it's not normal. We're not doing this the way it used to be. It's not the way it used to be. You know, we're not trying to kill your fun here. You know, we're trying to give you an outlet for fun by letting you come back. But as long as you help us be responsible so that we can continue to let you do this, we're all going to be fine. The folks at Road America claim that even with their largest attended event ever, yeah. they still wouldn't be at 50% capacity of their facility. So okay. they're always going to be okay with guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like Sebring is not the case for that. <laughs> We're going back to the virus on this. I, I got you. So, um, yeah, we're, right now, um, again, knowing this is airing in November, um, these decisions will have already been made. But one of the one of the hardest things we got to figure out is knowing that this place will be filled if we open the gates and let everybody come back. How how do we keep people apart in a facility, a 400 acre facility that we know is going to be slam packed? And it's not just the people on the ground. It's in the suites. It's in our fan hospitality areas that, remember, we've already sold all those tickets. So it's very difficult to go back to those people and say, we know you already paid us money, but sorry, but you can't come. You know, you, you don't, that's never an answer a promoter wants to, to give. You know, here's your money back. Um, you know, and it's, people aren't asking for their money back. People want an experience. They want the event. So how are we going to, we've already talked about making all of our hospitality areas bigger and don't let more people in, but just make them physically larger and make them open air. Not everybody needs to be in the air conditioning, especially in November. November in Florida, the weather's going to be, you know, knock on wood, it's going to be 65 or 70 degrees. It's going to be in the 50s at night. It's going to be gorgeous. And, you know, people can be outside. So that's the hope is that we can build bigger facilities. You know, the, the real hope is the virus is gone or there's a vaccine or something. But 
absent of that and we can't control that, we're, we're trying to figure out ways to bring back the same number of people but do it. it the word for the, the Cadillac Grand Prix was compartmentalization. How do we put different people in different areas, bubbles that IMSA calls it, how do we put them in a bubble? Like our, the drivers are in a bubble. The teams are in one bubble. Then you got the Midway bubble. Then you got the Green Park bubble, the Hendricks Field bubble. So the the challenge becomes when people start roaming the property and they start getting together and the parties start to grow and you know there might be some things that we don't allow people to do, such as bring in their own tents and throw you know build bars and you know which Sebring's famous for. Yeah, we hate to take that that away. That's what makes Sebring Sebring. You know, it's the shenanigans that go on in Green Park. <laughs> You know, it's crazy. Sebring's so crazy because you got all the shenanigans in Green Park, which is all good fun. And then you got the serious racing fan that just, they come from what we call the beaches, you know, the, the Sarasota, St. Pete, Orlando, Tampa, Miami, the, the wealthier areas that love the Ferraris and the Astons and the Porsches and the, you know, they love sports cars and they love the drivers. And some of the people in Green Park, they don't care. You know, <laughs> they're here to have a good time. Right. They love racing. They're very knowledgeable, but they want to party. Yeah. So we're unique in that we got the best of both worlds here. We got the party hardy guy, and we got the real sports car fan. So how do we keep them apart? So Sebring is a party. It is known as a party. Um, right now, this is one of the first big public sporting events to take place. In my opinion, it's going to be pretty hard to contain the fans to guidelines that you set. So for the Cadillac Grand Prix, we're able to keep people apart. We don't we set a limit to the number of tickets that we're going to sell, and I don't even think we're going to sell that many. Um, people are taking this thing seriously enough, and you know it's hot, and you know not Floridians are famous, even though they can tolerate the heat. Floridians are famous for not doing things when it gets hot; they just stay home. <laughs> yeah. um, that'll be true with the Cadillac Grand Prix in November is going to be our problem. That'll be the challenge when our bosses call and say you can't have that many people here or when the government says you you really can't have that many people here what are we going to do we don't want to get in a refund situation we've gone from beating the drum and telling everybody to get here as fast as they can which is our job to figuring out ways that the most number of people can come here and have a good time not like they normally do if that makes sense um, you know, and a lot of our fans have been coming here for 30, 40, 50 years in a row, and they do the same thing every year, and they hang with the same people every year, and they want it to be the same. And they want it to be the same this year, uh, and they've told us that. Um, don't know yet if we can do that, you know, quite frankly. We, we, have a, we have a responsibility to our community, our state, our company, our drivers, um, and, our, you know, and all of our fans to, to do this as safely as possible. Yeah, so uh, it's a big task, and you know, none of us prepared for this. None of us knew anything about a pandemic, and we still don't. You know, we don't know. You know, you said Florida has experienced this big spike. You know, statistically, I suppose you're right, but that's not our responsibility. We take it pretty seriously, you know. And every, like I said, everybody's got some little rejuvenation to, hey, you know, this is we we got to give back now. We got to go to work. We got to yeah. go to work, and. Yeah. You know, and we got people in our office, I guess myself included, that are doing things that we've never done before. Let's say tomorrow is a practice run for the big event in November. Um, when I walk around with a camera, what am I going to see different? My hope is you're going to see people that are 
taking this thing seriously. They're staying apart. They're staying in their groups. So we've we've separated things this week greatly. All the drivers and teams and competitors are coming in one gate called gate four. It's way different than what the competitors have ever done before. They, they're going in a completely different gate, going through a screening process every day that they arrive, temperature checks. There's a list of questions. It's 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 not an invasive. It's not a test, but it's it's a check. It's a screening. And then the fans, we're only allowing motorhomes to come in on Friday, and they're going to Green Park. And they also go through the same procedure, you know, temperature check, list of questions. There's four questions, basic questions. Um, there's, there are more sanitation stations, if you will, uh, around the property, uh, bathrooms, hand-washing stations, uh, clean teams, you know, in the, in the driver's area, particularly in the suites and in fixed buildings, we've got uh, – company called safe harbors which is um part of a part of safety clean they're coming in and actually i guess you called fumigating rooms um you know they're they're really doing a complete and thorough daily cleaning when people exit those buildings so when they come back they're they're almost certainly sterile if there is a takeaway that we've seen with with everywhere we've been going it's that this sport's not dying it's not no. going away there are absolutely are tracks and communities that are taking a hit but we haven't heard from one racetrack or one area that says this is it we're done right my only fear is that we're going to have a temporary plateau i don't think this is a long-term hit in any way shape or form yeah there's too many good things going on i think there's good things going on in motorsports everywhere right now um you know there was a little bit of a lull maybe a couple years ago um but i think things are good right now and i'm i'm Happy to be involved in it still. I'm finished. I hope I fit in this old sweater. Cause I can't afford one that fits better I must be bloated from my dinner Cause just last year my reflection was thinner Ain't it funny how we grow And then it really starts to show When it's been a year you've changed I got two sisters They both got misters Maybe this year I'll bring back a message But I just can't yet Understand Every year I come home empty-handed Ain't it funny how they know I have nothing there to show
Why don't things just stay the same? 